The Bethany Buzz, a podcast from the Bethany Group, connecting clients, residents, families, and communities. I'm your host, Abby, and I'm so happy to have you here with us. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of The Bethany Buzz. Today is November 1st, which marks the beginning of Diabetes Awareness Month. With me today, I have Barbara Erickson, but before I introduce her, I would just like to send a heartwarming thanks to Chantel for beginning the Bethany Buzz podcast and making it what it is. Although she is no longer with the Bethany group, we wish her the best in all of her future endeavors. Uh, My name is Abby, and I'll be your new host. I graduated from Concordia University of Edmonton in April of 2021 with an arts degree. My major was English and my minor was history. I have a pretty broad volunteer history. I was, during my time at Concordia, the president of our Rotaract Club. I worked with Big Brothers and Sisters and Santa's Anonymous. And I grew up in Camrose, so I was so excited uh, when I got to move back and accept this position with the Bethany Group. So that's a little about me. I'll be your new host, and we are doing things a little bit differently. Um, Today I have with me Barbara Erickson, and I will let her introduce herself. Hello. So um, as Abby said, I'm Barb, and I have been with the Bethany Group since 2013. I am the registered dietitian that works at all the three long-term care sites. Included in that is the Rosehaven program. Before that, for about 16 years, I was at St. Mary's Hospital, and one of my many duties there was uh, the diabetes educator. So this this, uh, talk today is sort of up my alley. I have as a background a science degree in nutrition and an after degree in education. Wow. So could you tell me what a typical day at work looks like for you? Well, I don't really have typical days, but let me tell you a bit about what I do. Uh, one of my primary roles at um, with the Bethany Group in the long-term care facilities is helping residents meet their nutritional goals, whatever they are. And we also discuss my ideas of what potential nutritional goals might be. Um, Another another um, thing that I do is I approve the menus twice a year, um, and that is actually a foundation uh, for meeting nutritional needs needs for all of our residents. So I don't plan the menus; I just make sure that whoever planned the menus um, has planned a menu that meets nutritional needs. Um, and so I review them and I, I look for quantity and variety. Um, of food that is offered to all our residents and that will then provide their nutritional needs with whatever medical backgrounds they come here with. Wow. All right. Thank you. Uh, So because it is National Diabetes Awareness Month in the month of November, I was hoping you could tell us a little bit more about diabetes, such as uh, what the disease actually is. So diabetes, um, broadly speaking, is a disease where your body is not able to control blood sugars very well. And there could be a number of reasons. We mainly talk about type 1 diabetes and type 2 diabetes, but there are other forms of diabetes as well. And I'll just briefly mention them. 
One is pre-diabetes and another one is gestational diabetes. And then there's a smattering of other diagnoses much less commonly known, and we won't get into them here, (laughs) but they all fall under the diabetes umbrella. So type 1 diabetes is uh, probably the one that uh, people are most aware of when it develops in children, even as young as babies. And it may develop uh, into adulthood. It can actually develop any time in your lifespan, but mostly in childhood um, and early adulthood. And it's an autoimmune disease. It cannot be prevented. Um, Basically what happens in that disease is your body destroys the cells in the pancreas that produce insulin. Um, Nothing you can do about that. The cause why it happens, we don't know. It just happens. Uh, And just as a word of reassurance for people, it is not caused by eating too much sugar. Just because we're (laughs) dealing with sugar in the blood doesn't mean it's caused by sugar in the blood. I I mean by sugar eating. That's a common misconception. Thank you. Yes. So type 1 diabetes um, accounts for anywhere between 5 to 10% of all people diagnosed with diabetes. So it's, it's not as common as the other diabetes type 2, which I will talk about in a bit. The main, the main goal, goal of um, type 1 diabetes um, is to control blood sugars, and that in turn helps them pre- uh, prevent complications Um, later on as a result of the high blood blood glucose levels. Um, So type 2 diabetes, which uh, I'm sure we all know someone who has diabetes, and it's likely type 2 diabetes. It affects 90 to 95% of of people who have diabetes. So it's it's very common. Um, And I must say a quarter or somewhere in that neighborhood of all those people that may have type 2 diabetes don't even know they have it. Wow. So why is that? Well, unlike type 1 diabetes, which develops um, very quickly, and you know very quickly that something is going wrong in your body, with type 2, it takes sometimes years to figure out that something is not quite right. And and it often hits people by surprise when the doctor finally says to them, you know, you have type 2 diabetes. So um, so it, it's, it's similar to type 1 diabetes in that it's a blood sugar problem. Um, blood glucose levels go up, um, but it's unsimilar, if there is such a word, to type 1 diabetes um, in that it happens very slowly. And people who finally realize they have type 2 diabetes have, they are surprised and and finally that everything makes sense to them um, when they realize that, oh, I'm just feeling tired, I'm I'm thirsty, but I just don't have any energy and, and you know, when I cut myself, things aren't healing as well. It's a smattering of um, symptoms that they've noticed, but they didn't put it together and said, oh, this is all part of type 2 diabetes. It's just such a slow process. Um, unfortunately, if you're a year and a half in or so of not treating your type 2 diabetes, uh, by the time you get diagnosed, some of the complications may already have started. 
So, so what kind of complications can arise then from that lack of awareness? Well, there are complications. If you have a lot of sugar in your bloodstream, that blood has to circulate through big blood vessels and the tiny little capillaries, the tiny little blood vessels. Um, either one of those blood vessels are damaged by too much sugar. It's like rubbing scratchy pads through your blood vessels. It damages them. And the, the little tiny blood vessels affect your nerve endings they affect your feet, numbness in feet. Maybe people may feel, they feel like they're walking on clouds, but they never quite understood why that is. Um, they may have numbness in their fingertips and just subtle things. It may affect their eyes. They may develop blurry vision, although the blurry vision is not necessarily a long-term complication. It may just be that there's a lot of fluid in the system because of high blood sugar levels. Um, right. But the big blood vessels, it's, it's a major factor towards heart disease and stroke. So it's a big blood vessel disease. And there are a number of other con complications, but I, that's just sort of a little preview. Wow. Okay, so what are the goals of managing diabetes in continuing care? Um, well, goals in continuing care... Um, or let me just back up. When you have an older person over the age of 65, the chance of diabetes is greater if it occurring then because people just get older and things aren't working as well. So generally speaking, just because you're older, but otherwise living independently, functioning quite fine, the goals for those people are the same as for the younger people. You want to do what you can do to prevent complications. And we can talk about that in a bit more detail. But to answer your question, in long-term care, we have um, a population group that has many other disease processes. Why are they in long-term care? Well, things have started to fail in their hearts, their kidneys, their livers, their breathing isn't what it used to be. They're on many, many medications. Um, dementia may have set in, they may have trouble swallowing. All of those disease processes make people frail. And as soon as we talk about frailty, we're also talking about limited life expectancy. Um, so what's, what is our goal for those people uh, with diabetes or without diabetes is to uh, make sure they eat well, they gain as much strength as they can from food and drink. So our goals there are not so much to have ideal blood sugar levels, but to prevent, absolutely prevent low blood sugar levels mm -hmm. so that they don't fall and break a hip or right. break other bones. And then also to prevent uh, what we call symptomatic high blood sugar levels where they don't feel good. So generally speaking, the goal in long-term care is to make sure they have good quality of life, they, they eat, and the menu that I talked about earlier um, addresses that. We have foods that contain sugar in them. We have foods that contain fat and, and other salt things and that sort of thing, all those things that make foods taste good. As we're getting older, um, 
we don't taste food as well as we used to be able to taste it. Things taste like cardboard, and and when they're when people are in long term care, we don't cook like the wife did or mom <laughs> did, right? So lots of changes, right. and and with that comes sometimes lack of appetite, and and so we want to make sure that they eat, even right. if it means their blood sugar levels are a little bit higher, and that's okay. Right. All right. Um, so would you say that diabetes is calm amongst our residents or amongst residents in general? Common, sorry. Um, yes, I actually looked up uh, in the literature what sort of the prevalence is for diabetes in long-term care. And it says about 26, 27%. And then I went and counted all the people in our residence in one resident, uh, in one area, in this case, Louise Jensen, uh, long-term care area, I counted out how many people actually had diabetes as one of their diagnoses, and we hit the 26% mark. So we're right in there. With, right on target. Yes, on target. Accurate. Yes, exactly. That's very, very interesting. Um, all right. So do you want to talk a little bit more about the risk factors of developing diabetes? Okay, so um, as I said, with type 1, um, we can't prevent it. We can't prevent the development of, of diabetes. But with type 2 diabetes, there are certain types of people that are more prone to getting um, type 2 diabetes. One is advancing age. Yes, we all get older. And, and with that comes just... Um, failure for a pancreas to produce enough insulin for some people. And that may lead then to type 2 diabetes. Um, also, as we age, or maybe not even as we age, um, we've gotten heavier as a nation. And so type 2 diabetes, which used to be adult onset diabetes, we see that now in children, um, young people. Um, and the reason for that is that uh, in this case, your body may produce lots of insulin, but the body, because of the extra weight, the cells have changed in shape, and so it doesn't accept the insulin that the body is producing. And so the body's madly trying to produce more insulin to make it more effective. We call that insulin resistance. And that is actually probably one of the major factors towards um, diabetes development in the children now, type 2, and also in, in adults. Another thing that um, is a risk factor is lack of activity. Um, we are much more screen-oriented, and with COVID, that sure didn't help. We are mm -hmm. more bound to be indoors, or we're not as active. It's more difficult to get out there and do things without worrying about infecting each other. Um, so inactivity is a huge risk factor uh, for developing diabetes. And um, then, of course, ethnic background. If you're a certain ethnic background, um, you may develop diabetes more readily than other people. So um, our First Nations people have a higher incidence of diabetes. Um, Hispanic people have a higher incidence. Dark-skinned people, non-Hispanic background have a higher incidence. Um, so those are all risk factors, some of which you can change. 
And then you can't change your family background either. So if your mom and dad had type 2 diabetes, chances are you might develop that as well. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the risk factors for developing diabetes. All right. So could you think of any supports or uh, anywhere that someone could access more information if they have questions about diabetes? Um, yes, the internet is is a wonderful place um, <laughs> for information and unfortunately misinformation. Right. So um, one of the reputable sites uh, is diabetes.ca. It's a, it's a marvelous site. It has um, simplified language uh, to describe the different types of diabetes and um, complications and what you should do about it. We also here in Camrose have our PCN, Primary Care Network, um, well worth visiting. They're great support for people who are uh, newly diagnosed with diabetes. Okay. Um, And then there's um, a handout, which I used to use quite often when I was working at St. Mary's Hospital. It's called Just the Basics, and it truly is Just the Basics. It reviews um, some of the things that we can do to look at at weight and exercise and and healthy lifestyle interventions um, that we can start. And that one's available as well on diabetes.ca. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. Awesome. And uh, before we go, what would be advice that you would give to someone that either has recently been diagnosed with diabetes or has a loved one in care that has been diagnosed? Okay. So two separate questions, two separate (laughs) answers, right? Um, If someone has just recently been diagnosed with diabetes, I would likely refer them to places like the resources I just cited, the diabetes.ca and the PCN. Give them a call, see how you can get into their system so that you can get the supports that you need. Um, Be kind to yourself. You know, diabetes can be quite overwhelming uh, in terms of what you need to do to get this, this thing under control. And we all know that weight loss is not easy. Um, and if, if that's the underlying cause for most of the diabetes, be kind to yourself. Make some small change that you think you can sustain. Think in terms of what you can do rather than what you shouldn't do, as in you, I shouldn't be eating chips and French fries, that sort of thing. That's not helpful. Think in terms of what can I do that I can do instead? So you could eat some fruit, you could have have vegetables, even if it's start with some carrot sticks, if you've never eaten carrot sticks, that sort of thing. So be kind to yourself, make small sustainable changes to your diet. Maybe go for a little walk. If walking isn't up your alley, try just going out your door and down to your, your street and looking around and going back in. Good first step, right? And work yourself up. The recommended 30 minutes per day may seem a little daunting. You can split that up into six five-minute segments a day. Um, You can do that in your office if you want to sort of, you know, walk on the spot for a little bit, five minutes at a time. It's it's accomplishable. It's doable. Just think of that. Um, That is really lovely advice. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. So if you have a loved one in long-term care, 
my and that person has diabetes, my advice would be, what does this person really get joy out of um, in terms of food that we cannot provide at Bethany? So if your favorite food from home used to be um, berries and whipped cream, by all means, bring that in. We don't have berries and whipped cream necessarily when, when we feel like it, but it's nice to eat together. So bring a little snack that you and your loved one can eat together. Enjoy the time together. That might be something to do. It gives them nutrition, and really that's the, that's the key, good nutrition. Right. All right. Well, I really can't thank you enough, Barb, for joining us and sharing your wisdom and your brilliance. I learned a lot and I hope that our listeners did as well. Um, I would like to, you know, invite the Bethany Group staff to email me at info at bethanygrp.ca or call or text 780-678-0316 to recommend and to let me know what you'd like to hear on our Bethany Buzz podcast. All right. Thank you, Barb. You're welcome. Pleasure. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Bethany Buzz. Before you go, please give us a like on our Facebook page, The Bethany Group, and give us a follow on our brand new Instagram account, at the Bethany Group underscore. Until next time, 